Hello, everyone. I'm Bill Raggio. I'm a senior fellow at Foundation for Defense of Democracies and editor of FDD's Long War Journal. This is Generation Jihad, the podcast that covers all things in what used to be known as the global war on terror, but we now call the Long War. It's Monday, so my co-host, friend, and colleague, Joe Trusman, joins me at Generation Jihad. Joe is a senior research analyst at FDD's Long War Journal, where he covers all things related to Palestinian terror groups, Gaza, Israel, Hezbollah, you name it, Joe follows it. We can go on and on. Joe, great to have you back on Generation Jihad. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Always a pleasure, Joe. We got a lot to talk about today. Um, a lot going on in Gaza. There's certainly been a lot of activity with militias, um, but we'll we'll sidestep that today and uh, we'll focus in on what's happening in and around Gaza because there's a lot of news on that over the weekend. Let's start off over the weekend, Joe. The Israel Defense Force rescued two hostages in Rafah. Give us a little uh, detail. What happened there? What do we know about the, the hostages themselves? Do you know anything about the conditions they were being held in and so on? What an active weekend as far as the Gaza is concerned. But uh, in particular, there was the uh, hostage rescue that occurred uh, overnight in uh, the southern Gaza Strip in Rafah. And uh, speaking of Rafah, very quickly, Rafah has been uh, right now, it's the uh, last key or key or major stronghold of Hamas. And Islamic Jihad and other Palestinian terrorist groups that that has not been invaded or uh, attacked by the Israelis, uh, or or there hasn't been a ground invasion, I'll say, uh, in this in, in Rafah. So we've been hearing a lot of things about the new, in the news about that, but we'll, we'll talk about more about that after. But anyway, so yeah, two uh, hostages that were that were rescued by the uh, by special forces, Israeli special forces. Uh, they were kidnapped on October seventh uh, from one of the um, uh, Israeli communities. Uh, near the Gaza Strip, and uh, yeah, they were rescued uh, by these uh, special forces. There was uh, also during that time, during the rescue, during the rescue operation, there was bombing uh, at, uh, in Rafah, that, that area, by the Israeli Defense Forces uh, to act as a almost kind of like a diversion, uh, you can say, right? So um, during that time, these hostages were rescued, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really good news. It's one of those things, uh, unfortunately. We haven't heard about uh, a lot uh, in the last four months. I think uh, there has been maybe one hostage, one or two hostages that have been rescued uh, alive uh, by the Israeli uh, Defense Forces since the um, you know since the uh, since the war began. And just, just that just shows how difficult this operation, this type of operation, is uh, trying to find. It's, it's trying to find you know it's, uh, the needle in a haystack, right? So uh, and a lot of this was based. Uh, this uh, this rescue operation was based off intelligence, right? Uh, by uh, terrorists that were captured, uh, or and and information passed along to the Israelis. So, uh, and it worked out, thankfully. Uh, so, uh, but there's more than 130 hostages left uh, in Gaza, right? So, um, there's still a lot more work to do, but great news, right? So, we'll see what uh, what happens in the coming weeks. Uh, but I think Rafa. Kind of like I was saying earlier, just a little while ago, Rafa is going to be uh, an interesting uh, operation for the Israelis. I think a lot's going to be discovered there as far as uh, terrorist infrastructure and hopefully, hopefully, uh, a lot of the hostages. So before we turn to Rafa, does the 
Israel Defense Forces believe that the city of Khan Yunus and the surrounding areas, do they believe that's under control or there's still significant operations underway there? That's a good question. So just for our listeners, so Rafa, like I was saying, is in southern Gaza. Uh, Khan Yunus is just a little bit more north, is north of Rafa, but still considered southern Gaza. Uh, nevertheless, the IDF has been operating there uh, and in the last few weeks. I don't. I would not say uh, Han Yunus is conquered. All right, uh, but interestingly, uh, the IDF's chief of staff, the head of the uh, of the Shabak, which is Israel's inter- internal Israel's security agency, uh, they actually visited uh, uh, Han Yunus over the weekend. Okay, so that tells you that they're making progress there. They're winning this. You know, uh, this leadership, uh, Israeli leadership, is, is actually visiting the site. So this area. So uh, which is you know which is good news. But remember, Han Yunus is one of the Again, another key stronghold for Hamas Islamic Jihad. Uh, the Israelis had a tough time there in the 2014 war. Okay, so um, and they're making great progress, but it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's you know free of uh, of Hamas or Islamic Jihad, uh, but progress is being made. So that's the good news. Yeah, yeah just curious. I mean, because it does seem that Rafa is the the next big step, and the Israelis approach this. I think as you and I had suspected, right, from moving from north to south. Um, so there's been a lot of pressure um, on Israel about going into Rafa. The Biden administration is warning Israel that it uh, shouldn't conduct or an operation in Rafa without safeguarding civilians. Is, do you believe the administration is go- that it's going to get more and more difficult for Israel to operate in Rafa as right. it has in other cities, or mm-hmm. do is the, are the Israelis going to just ignore this as they've? essentially ignored pressure from the Biden administration. Right. Um, so you can look at it in all sorts of different ways. So there's no doubt that a lot of the civilian population of Gaza fled south to Rafah, okay, during the beginning, especially at the beginning of the war, for obvious reasons. There's war going on, so they flee to safety. A lot of those people went to Rafah. Now, uh, but Israel, the problem now is that Israel needs to figure out a way to move those civilians out of harm's way. I'm not sure that's even possible, to be quite honest with you. Uh, however, uh, the problem is when you try to facilitate the transfer of these civilians, you're also facilitating the transfer of terrorists as well, active members of Hamas. That's what I'm getting at. And, and Islamic Jihad and the more than other, you know, the dozen other members of, uh, there are members of another dozen terrorist organizations that operate in, in the Gaza Strip, actually more than that. Uh, nevertheless, that, that's the issue here. Uh, uh, an, another issue, I think, is that, uh, and I was saying that Israel can't defeat Hamas without a ground operation in Rafah. Okay, so, uh, and also, there, I, I, I wouldn't, I can't say this for sure, right? But everything indicates that there's some major tunnels underneath Rafah, and uh, I believe we talked about this before, Bill, but because uh, and, and Israel has to find them, locate them, and destroy them. Problem is, those tunnels are going into Egypt, and in like, and we've there's been some news about it. The Egyptians aren't happy that Israel is likely going to uh, start an operation on one of their on, the, on their border, right? So, uh, and they're probably going to find some, I would say, even embarrassing evidence of these tunnels, right? So, uh, so it's 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 a delicate delicate issue on on. Uh, 
And I don't know. I think the Israelis are doing a good job about it. I think the Israelis are determined, despite all the noise that we're hearing from the international community, from the Biden administration. Uh, but the thing is, what bugs me, I think, more than anything, is that Israel has never been closer to destroying or eliminating Hamas in Gaza. All right. And now we're, the pressure is pressure from allies is increasing to stop <laughs> so um despite you know all these months of fighting you know and israel has been doing really well uh and it's it, it's just i don't know bill it's it's just kind of crazy to see this you know because don't get me wrong the biden administration has been very supportive of israel especially in the beginning of the war uh but now we're just seeing this weird um it's just the support starting to fall off right at the most important time and um i just don't get it you know i, I really don't so that's where we're at right now and uh it's it's, it's a very strange say the least but i think uh, israel again is determined just even uh determined to, to to eliminate hamas i think they will go into rafa barring barring hamas just saying okay ceasefire we will give up all the hostages we will you know surrender or we will uh move our leadership to you know algeria or something you know it's uh well it's but i i don't think that's gonna happen either so um very complicated to say the least yeah hamas would you know that if they wanted to preserve their leadership and their fighters the time for a surrender and preserve the palestinian people who are caught in the middle of this fighting i think the time to to have Basically, what you talked about there is surrender. You know that that time has passed for them. Yeah, and if you, if you look at it for those listening, I mean, look at a map of Gaza. It, it Rafa is literally right on the border with Egypt. And yeah, I, I think you're right. The Egyptians have a lot to worry about. The, the Egyptians are also worried about a, a massive refugee flood, which is a legitimate concern for the Egyptians of palestinians crossing the border if there is an operation there so it's well understandable from the israeli perspective they just have no choice if they if if their goal they're and this is what they stated is to defeat hamas you know rafa cannot be ignored and you had mentioned the uh, tunnels joe um over there's been some news over the weekend as well that a hamas compound was uh well i think the best way we could describe that is a hamas compound there might be other ways to describe it um, was discovered under the headquarters of the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for, for Palestine Red, refugees, or we'll call it UNRWA. Um, tell us more about that. What, where was that to compound discovered? What was the reaction to this from uh, the Israelis and, and from the United Nations as well? Right. So this is, I mean, you know, surprise, but not really surprised by this right. but uh, <laughs> um it's shocking just, uh, yeah i know um i mean listen you know hamas has demonstrated that they'll use the civil their civil civilians in, in gaza as a shield right so uh if they've demonstrated this already that they'll definitely take advantage of anything they can to shield themselves from israeli strikes and that's what they did with this UNRWA compound it's, a, it's located in the al uh, rimal neighborhood it's a very kind of People describe it as a wealthy neighborhood, all right? I believe it's in the uh, northern Gaza Strip. Anyway, uh, yeah, so the Israelis discover this, uh, this, tunnel, this tunnel complex underneath the headquarters, the headquarters of UNRWA uh, in the Gaza Strip. And it has like essentially like a, it's a server farm 
and um, and I, I, I can't recall all the details about it, but it was a it was a significant find. Okay, so and it was the power was connected to running that uh, that compound. Uh, the power to it was connected to the UNRWA's uh, elect- electrical grid. That's and, and and there were other things as well. The, the IDF found weapons uh, in the offices and intelligence and documents in the offices of UNRWA. Uh, now I'm not saying that UNRWA itself was, uh, you know, uh, acting on behalf of Hamas or anything. Uh, that those those weapons and those documents may have been uh, may have been put there during the war by Hamas fighters. Who knows? But anyway. Uh, so they find this, uh, this this significant compound under an UNRWA uh, facility, in the headquarters facility, and uh, you know it just keeps this evidence just keeps piling up on UNRWA, right? Uh, you know we know that uh, members of UNRWA in the Gaza Strip participated in the October seventh terrorist attack. Um, that was bad enough, um, and now we're seeing this, and uh, I imagine. As the war continues, as the war goes on, but there's going to be more evidence that the IDF is going to publish, okay, about UNRWA. And we get to a point where you say, okay, UNRWA, how can you not know this is going on in your, you know, underneath your offices or uh, with your personnel, right? So it's not a trustworthy organization the way the Israelis see it. So I can't can't imagine, at least post-war, after the war, that the Israelis will want UNRWA operating anywhere near Israel or in the Gaza Strip because they just shown that they can't they can't control their their personnel and that they're just essentially penetrated by Hamas that's what's happened here and uh so yeah so uh it's a very interesting find over the weekend uh but unfortunately it's not surprising yeah the head of UNRWA um Philippe Lazarani um issued a Sergeant Schultz like response, you know, from uh, I'm dating myself, but I watched it as a kid, Hogan's Heroes. Um, you know, I see nothing, I know nothing. And here the first first line from his UNRWA did not know what is under its what is under its headquarters. And you can read his statement on Twitter. It's it's quite laughable. Um, they absolutely you know, he calls it an, an alleged tuttle. Um I mean, it's either a tunnel or it's not a tunnel. It's certainly not an alleged tunnel. So very humorous. If you get a chance, look them up on Twitter and, and give it a read. Uh, Joe, a little bit more on the, you had mentioned that the UNRWA members took part in the October 7th massacre. Um, what can you tell us about that? That is just absolutely outrageous. I mean, it's one thing if UNRWA is looking the other way while Hamas is building. I mean, and that's horrible, right? Building tunnels and using it. And we all know what, what has been going on with UNRWA and Hamas over the years. It's another thing when it's people on the UN payroll who are being funded by the United States taxpayers um, took part in that massacre that involved the killing of not just Israelis, but American citizens as well. I don't mean to make this just about America, but you know, look, we're largely American audience here. And, you know, myself being an American citizen, it just infuriates me that my taxpayer dollars go to fund terrorists. But uh, this just seems to be uh, the par for the course these days. But anyway, tell us tell us more about staff uh, members, UNRWA staff members participating in the attack. Yeah. So uh, so according to some of the Israeli reports that um, I can't recall the exact number, I think it was about seven, give or take a few uh, staff members participated. They even, uh, according to reports. I'm saying this according to reports again. Um, they used um, 
at least a UN vehicle as well. But yeah, they participated in the attacks. I don't know the exact details of what they did. Um, there's reports that uh, an UNRWA teacher actually held uh, at least the, um, uh, one of the released captives, one of these really, uh, one of the releases really hostages said that one of the uh, an UNRWA teacher held her hostage. All right. So uh, nevertheless, it's UNRWA has us it, it is a part of the problem here. Okay. And, but this isn't, you know, this, of course, this isn't new. Uh, and I'll tell you, like, the mindset of UNRWA, because uh, you reminded me of something, Bill. So this, this happened uh, a couple of years ago in November, 20, November 2022. UNRWA found, uh, oh, so I'm, I'm sure if it was the IDF or UNRWA, but one of them found a tunnel belief, beneath one of their facilities in the Gaza Strip. So UNRWA... You sure it wasn't a legend tunnel? Yeah, no, I'm getting to it, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting to that. So um, and I say, and then they, to their credit, they publish a statement. Uh, to, they, they're condemning it. All right. But this is what they say. And uh, so they call it, they call it a man-made, they called it a man-made cavity. They didn't even call it a tunnel. They protested a man-made cavity that was found, found underneath one of their facilities. So that just gives you... That's just one example. There's plenty of examples before that, but um, just the mindset of UNRWA here. So the problem is that UNRWA is operating. It's like UNRWA is making sure they don't piss off Hamas. That's what's happening. All right, they they don't they don't they don't want to piss off Hamas. So they're they're publishing these carefully worded statements, or how you said earlier about um, uh, the, the director of UNRWA saying that. You know the way he said it, right? The way he published the, his, his response to the server farm or the compound being found underneath the uh, UNRWA HQ. They just don't want to take responsibility for it. There's no way they didn't know. So uh, they know there's no way they don't they don't know about what's going on with their facilities in in, in the Gaza Strip. Uh, so regardless, yes. Yeah, so UNRWA staffers have participated in October seventh attacks, uh, and uh, UNRWA is just being used by Hamas, plain and simple. All right, that's the bottom line. That's it. UNRWA is being used by Hamas. So, uh, as you could say, as a shield, uh, you could say UNRWA is, uh, you know, you can you can also make the argument UNRWA is assisting Hamas. But nevertheless, it's a problem, and I, I just don't. And I think this is the big reason why, in the last few weeks, we saw the news about countries stopping aid because they got they saw what was happening. They were give, the Israelis gave them the evidence that hey, hey, look, this is what's happening in UNRWA. They saw it, and they said, okay, you know, we're stopping funding. I don't know how long that's going to last, but um, I think that's what's happening here. Yeah, numerous nations have come out and and said they were uh, suspending funding, including the United States. I guess that's a good step. But what's going to happen? You know it, and I know it, Joe. This will all end, and UNRWA will be back in the business. It's, it's lucrative business for them. Here's a um, what the uh, UNRWA director Lazarani said um, about looking for the um, evidence of, uh, you know, Hamas activity in its facilities. This is a quote. In times of no active conflict, UNRWA inspects inside its premises every quarter. The last inspection for the UNRWA Gaza premises was completed in September 2023. So either they couldn't find it, didn't want to find it, or Hamas between sometime between September of 2023 and October 7th, amazingly quickly built a what did they call it an underground cavern uh, a man-made cavity yeah man-made <laughs> cavity a uh, you know alleged yeah, yeah. tunnel um 
you know, so it's one of those things. And, you know, I suspect um, Sergeant Schultz is well alive well and living, tons of Sergeant Schultz alive well and, and living um, and breathing and operating in UNRWA to this day. And look, you know, we've gotten, you know, all of the evidence that's, that's come out. If we could only imagine what else is going on within UNRWA, what will be exposed. This has to be, if I imagine, if I'm UNRWA, if I'm the director of that. He, by the way, he is refusing to step down after this is all being exposed. Um, I suspect their greatest, UNRWA's greatest fear isn't Palestinian casualties or destruction of infrastructure or anything of that. It's these operations exposing the UNRWA's complicity with groups like Hamas. Yeah. Yeah. It's just tough. You know, it's, um, I think that they, my, the way I'm seeing this, especially with all this evidence coming out, is that they probably knew what was going on, but the way they thought is that, well, you know, we we provide services to Palestinians that really need, that really need it. Okay, so you know, if we, um, if there's uh, if there's maybe some some issues, some possible uh, Hamas activity, we won't say anything or just not look into it. Um, I'm getting that feeling. I'm not saying that's the case here. Okay. But, um, I'm starting to get that feeling where, because it's just, it's not just the evidence happening, uh, show, emerging now, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, some really weird stuff, just like that man-made cavity thing I was just telling you about. That was just a couple of years ago. So, um, I don't know. It's just, just strange, but it, I, I'm just trying to think of a reason why they wouldn't, you know, come, you know, just be just be honest, you know, that's even with the statement that you were just saying a little while ago about the owner director, um, you can tell that they don't, they still don't want to fa- own up to it, you know? Oh, we didn't know anything. We didn't, I mean, come on, you knew it. I mean, I'm sorry. So anyway, it's just, um, it's all nonsense, I think, to be quite honest with you. And uh, by the end of this, I don't know, I don't think Unruh is going to, at least in its current form, I don't think Unruh is going to be back in, in the Gaza Strip. Maybe, maybe something else, who knows? But um so yeah not good not good for sure so and yeah i imagine we'll again like i said before imagine there's going to be the israelis will find more evidence or we'll end up publishing more damning evidence um you know in the coming weeks or months yeah joe and as we're recording this and it's uh, about just after noon on monday february 12th there are some reports out there um some from what appear to be some pretty credible in- individuals that israel um, maybe seeking to shut down all of UNRWA's offices in Israel. There's what I'm looking at now. It's in Hebrew, so I can't read it. Um, but it does appear to be an official statement. But we'll wait and see. That'll that'll develop. Um, would would that be a major blow to UNRWA, or is it? I imagine there has to be coordination between the Israelis and UNRWA for things to go in and out of Gaza. But which what's your take on that? Yeah. Um... Will it be a major blow. Hard to say is because uh, you know I don't know how uh, how important their operations are uh, because I believe they have an office in Jerusalem. Uh, so, nevertheless, I mean, this is completely expected after everything that's that was found right uh, in the last month. So, um, I'm not surprised. But what will happen with it exactly? Who knows? Um, I mean, I imagine. I imagine that when there is a, whether it's a ceasefire or some type of 
uh, end to the war, that there will be some sort of mechanism or group or aid group, whether it's the UN or somebody else or someone else um, that will try to step in for UNRWA or maybe UNRWA again, who knows? But I think, I think something like UNRWA is needed, but obviously not in its current form. So I think something like them or they will be back. <laughs> yeah, you, you anticipated that. That was exactly what I was going to say. The, the, the sad thing is, is an organization like UNRWA is needed. It just can't be operating like UNRWA has operated. Um, this may be one of those ones where um, the Israelis sort of, you know, clamp down on and then, you know, as a concession, allow yes. us back into work and yes um but boy it just can't operate as it has in the past to be base essentially be a you know a billion dollar a year funded organization um under un auspices that operates as a de facto arm of the hamas terror state it's just we just again bugs me that my tax dollars go to pay for things like these and it's it's far too often that it does um yeah, yeah that's it, it i'll say sorry to interrupt um no um yeah it's i think at the end of the war i think there's going to be some tough concessions for the israelis uh it may be in the form of i mean it just depends how things go right so um for example if there's a ceasefire hamas says okay ceasefire we'll release all the hoss and say they do that but they don't technically uh it's just a temporary ceasefire and this is just one of the outcomes. Uh, it's just temporary ceasefire, but Hamas says, we'll release all the hostages, but you're going to have to release Palestinian prisoners. Uh, I think is, the Israelis will have to you know, make some difficult decisions releasing uh, some senior uh, Ham- Hamas members and Islamic Jihad members that are serving lengthy prison sentences right now. Um, there's quite a few of them. Hamas has, in the past years, um, Hamas has not hidden the fact that they want specific individuals uh, that are in Israeli prisons out. Uh, and these are some really, really bad guys. Uh, Marwan Barkuthi, there's uh, the PFLP Secretary General, uh, Ahmed Sadat, uh, and there's a, a lot more than I can, than I can mention, but um, there's going to be some difficult decisions. But at the end of the day, Israel will probably release them if they can get all the hostages, even the ones that are unfortunately um that have been killed all right are the, the bodies of, of hostages so they'll probably do that just to get the hostages because it's such a it's such an important objective for them or one of their goals one of their top goals so uh from the onset of the war so uh to to get to retrieve all uh, to rescue all these hostages or at least get them back so yeah tough decisions like you're saying have to be made and in the end if there's some type of lasting peace uh if hamas is eliminated from gaza or it's uh or they're defanged i guess you can call it um they're their so-called military arm which there's no there's no military wing of hamas they're all one organization i'm sorry to say yes hamas yes um so there's no military wing of hamas uh so i hear that a lot and people try to make a distinction between a political and military with with hamas they 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 operate they, they cooperate and uh they work again they work together so regardless um you know, I, I think there there needs to be some sort of aid there in the Gaza Strip, uh, but uh, that's that's a conversation for for uh, another day because we just have to see how things turn out. Uh, there's a, a million ways things can turn out here, and I mean Israel may cave to the pressure, right? Israel may not win here. Uh, Israel may lose this war. Uh, Hamas may stay in place. 
Uh, because again, like we talked about before, there's a lot of international pressure right now on the Israelis, especially and, and from the United States, unfortunately, at this stage when Israel is winning. So, um, but that's, I mean, you call it politics, uh, you call it a lot of things, but uh, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Th- so, two quick things. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu recently had said he's not going to do another one of these lopsided mis- exchanges of, you know, a thousand. Palestinian prisoners, um, four hundred, you know, and thirty hostages, alive and dead. But I think that remains to be seen. I I was actually surprised to see him take such a public um, stand on that because that's the kind of thing that could be used against him. Do you think he's serious about that, or do you um, do you think it was just sort of a heat of the moment statement? Um, you know, I think he won't release thousands and thousands of pal- He's not going to empty. Israeli jails. Okay. That's what the, let's, what's what Hamas wants, right? They, I mean, they have enough hostages. I mean, if you go back to the previous hostage, uh, hostage, hostage releases that, that have happened, uh, especially, you know, about Gilad Shalit, uh, one for approximately a thousand Palestinians, one Israeli soldier for approximately a thousand Palestinian prisoners. Uh, and they have over 130 hostages right now. Yes. I mean, technically, if you go by those numbers, they could empty Israeli, Israeli prisons. Uh, however, I think that's what he was referring to, that he's not going to you know, release you know, thousands of Palestinians um, that are convicted for terrorism. Uh, however, I think that he would eventually, he would release, I mean, it would be, I think he would do a lopsided, it'd still be lopsided, I think, um, a prisoner exchange. However, I think uh, he would get back the hostages and what, that's what's most important. But again, they're trying to, I think they're trying to avoid that. They want to destroy Hamas uh, and rescue the obviously rescue the hostages without having to go through a prisoner exchange, uh, or rather a captive or hostage for prisoner exchange. So uh, we'll see what happens. There's still a lot of things going on, um, and of course, this looming Rafa operation, which seems that it will happen despite uh, the Biden administration's concerns. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and we'll we'll finish on this. Uh- President Biden last late last week he described um, Israel's uh, operations in Gaza and this is in quotes over the top end quote um, that sparked a pretty interesting reaction from Netanyahu over the weekend. Um, he said, you know, he said, you know, we're going after a way you're going after terrorists and we're trying to minimize civilian casualties, but you know we're fighting with terrorists who hide amongst the civilian population. I'm paraphrasing that, but that's gen- gen- essentially what he said. Um, is the Israeli government increasingly fearful that the Biden administration is siding with the group that attacked Israel on October 7th? Uh, you know, I don't see it like that, but I, I mean, it's just the, it's just the, uh, everyone has uh, their own way of seeing things, right? I think, um, Biden is under a tremendous amount of domestic pressure right now. All right. I mean, look, so look, we're, not too far off from uh, presidential elections, right? He wants to be reelected as president. So this is a major issue, this war. So uh, he wants to see it resolved. The sooner, the better, okay? That's, that's the important thing. However, I think uh, the actions of the Biden administration and these, you know, these leaks that are, we're seeing being reported, uh, especially in recent weeks, uh, about uh, the relationship between Biden and uh, Netanyahu, uh, you know, Biden calling Netanyahu uh, an a-hole. I think that came out uh, 
earlier today. These are just reports. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if it's true. Uh, it's just the reports that I read. But it's stuff like that. That's detrimental. That doesn't. This is a detrimental against the war effort here. We're trying. We're we're we're, we're, we're seeing these uh, the IDF uh, making good gains, making gains against Hamas. I mean, listen uh, again. Like I said it before, Israel has never gotten closer to destroying or eliminating Hamas in Gaza ever. Okay. Um, and this is four months of this already. You, you, you can't, there's no turning back from it. I think the way I see it, I think that's the way the Israelis see it as well. Uh, so it's, uh, there's going to be, I think things are going to get rough. Okay. <laughs> the next few weeks, maybe in the next few months between, uh, you know, and when it comes to Israel and the United States, there's going to be some, there's going to be some more, more nasty words being said. Unfortunately, unless hopefully, you know, but, but the thing also I want to add is that Hamas has taken advantage of this. That's why they see, they see that they, and we've talked about, again, we've mentioned it before from the beginning, just wait it out. If you can wait it out, Israel's own allies will stop them. That's what's happening. That's the way they see it. Yeah. Israel's we own, yeah. Go ahead, we go worried ahead. at the beginning, Joe, that time, you know, pressure from the allies. Now we're four months in We're I think both you and I are shocked that they've made it this far. Right. But you know, the, President Biden, he's under a lot of domestic pressure. The irony in this is it doesn't matter what he says. It's what he does that matters to those who are going to be influenced by these issues. And they view any support, any whatsoever, one bullet that goes or one dollar that goes over to Israel to be supporting, you know, the horrific Zionist occupiers. Right. And so. This is, and you know, so it's a combination of he can't say anything to appease those people who are supporting Hamas and other terror groups. And yet, the, the statements he makes, like saying the uh, it's encouraging Hamas to hold out, that's the other Hamas get the message Hamas gets is, Oh, I see divisions, we could wait this out. And so, in a way, these statements are extending the conflict because it's it's holding out hope to Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad and all the other terror groups that are fighting the Israel Defense Forces right at this moment. That's what really stuns me about this. Like, you know, you don't need to get a PhD at a, a fancy school in uh, Washington to know that Biden is not going to convince his base that is that is anti-Israel, that he is on their side. And he's undermining the Israel Defense Force and the Israeli government's efforts by encouraging Hamas to hold out. That's that's what drives me crazy. That's exactly it. And um, and I think um, Hamas understood this, uh, especially Yahya Sinwar, uh, the leader of Hamas in the Gaza Strip, when he and others planned this attack. That uh, and and because they've seen it before, they've seen it in other conflicts and previous conflicts with Israel. That eventually. Uh, enough international pressure will force Israel to to a ceasefire, right? And I think the, they calculated that this was going to happen again in this in this stage and uh, with this uh, conflict. So, um, yeah, it's very uh, it's tough, but in the end, it's it's Israel's allies that are are, are are putting on the most pressure for them to stop. The way I see it, not the not Hezbollah in Lebanon. Not uh, the Iran back, other Iran back groups in Syria, or what's happening with the, the Houthis in Yemen and the Red Sea, or the attacks on on U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria. Uh, it's it's with the biggest amount of pressures coming from Israel's allies, which is crazy to think.
But that's what's happening, right? Uh, at this point, especially at this crucial time. So Sinwar, you know, and Iran and all its proxies and, and all its proxies in the region are just sitting back and watching this because um, this is what they probably anticipated, I think. And it's playing out, right? So we'll see if uh, the Israelis can hold out. But I think they're very determined. I, I really believe they're determined to end this the way they want it. Okay. Uh, they're under tremendous amount of pressure. You got the whole International Court of Justice, uh, this uh, charge for you know genocide, which is just nonsense the way I see it. But um, but yeah, so uh, they're just determined, I think. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll end it with that, Joe, with friends like these. Um, yeah. <laughs> here we are, yeah. right? But hopefully Israel is able to weather their friends and uh, put an end to Hamas and, and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, Jihad and these other groups, or at least beat them down enough that, that uh, you know, the thought of executing another attack like that, you know, won't enter their minds for another 50 to 100 years, because that's ultimately what needs to be done. And thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Generation Jihad. Just a reminder, you can listen to us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to Generation Jihad and leave us a review. Preferably a positive one, but only if we earned it. Thanks again, and we'll see you all again real soon. Generation Jihad.